0: We're going to start a brand new series this morning called Basics. Basics. Any good coach will tell you that the key to a successful performance is understanding and sticking to the fundamentals, the basics, going back to them over and over and over again, regardless of the level of play. Atlanta's hosting the Super Bowl today, Um, unfortunately. For one of the teams that's in there, I'm not real excited about, but I won't, you know. Anyway, uh, but we're hosting, we're hosting the thing. And, and all week long, these guys have not been hitting hard. They've not been doing anything intricate. They've been pretty much all week long working on the fundamentals, just just, just keeping the fundamentals right front and center. When I was a uh, uh, coach at elementary basketball my, my players probably got frustrated with me because I constantly was working on dribbling and passing, dribbling and passing. They're like, pa- uh, pastor, they didn't call me pastor. Coach, uh, are we ever going to get to shoot the ball? And I'm like, as soon as you can get down the court and make a pass that doesn't get intercepted or, or dribble without walking or doing double dribble, then we'll shoot the ball. But until you can, It's fundamentals. They're so important, and, and fundamentals, no matter what it is, if it's on the baseball diamond or the football field or the basketball court, or maybe you're, you, you're learning an instrument, like piano or whatever, think about learning the scales. Those are fundamentals. You, you can't just do them one time. You can't just like, okay, I got the C scale, and I'm never going to play a C scale again. You can't do that. I learned how to dribble, so I'm never going to practice again. You can't do that with sports. You can't do that with musical instruments, and you can't do that with your spiritual walk either. There are basics. There are fundamentals that if we want to be successful in our personal walk with Christ and as a church organization, they're very important. So the next three weeks, we're going to take a closer look and revisit our core values, our four core values here at New Life Church. These are the basics of who we are. These are foundational to our mission, which is to make disciples. Our mission, which should be every mission of every church, should be to make disciples. Because Jesus said, we've been talking about it the last four weeks and prove it, that uh, go ye therefore into all the world and make disciples. And then our vision, how we're going to carry out the mission, our niche in the body of Christ is to connect people to their God-given purpose. That's how I believe we are to do the mission. If I connect you and help you connect to your gifting and walk in that then you're going to begin to affect change outside these walls, wherever you are, in your school, in the marketplace, at work, wherever it is, at home, you're going to be able to affect change. And we finally got our vision statement uh, painted on the walls. If you didn't see it coming in, uh, Lindsay, and I cannot say your last name. I'm not even going to try. I will murder it. But Lindsay's right over here. Wave your hand. (laughs) She did our, our vision statement, did a fantastic job. If you missed it coming in because you were shaking hands, when you go through those doors, it's right there on that wall in, in big lettering. And it's just absolutely big. Connecting people, connecting your kids, connecting your teenagers, connecting you to your God-given purpose. And our core values are foundational to that mission and that vision. Now, a core value is something that is precious to you. It's, it's central to who you are and what you're about. And here's what I've learned. Look at the screen. Everyone has core values, whether you write them down or not. Everyone has core values. And you may not have taken the time to actually figure those out and, and, and verbalize those and write those down. But I promise you, you have them. If you're curious about your core values, just look at your checkbook. I'll just preach from back here. Take a look at your credit card statement. Pastor Cody preached a message within the, within the whole before I preached this morning. Shit was really good. It's absolutely true. Whatever. Well, let me just put this next one up there. The next uh, slide. Whatever we are willing to spend our money on, we value the most. So I guess my core one of my biggest core values is food. <laughs> Anybody else? And Dunkin' Donuts. Seriously, take a look at that. Because whatever you're spending your money on, that is a core value. Maybe it lines up with the word of God, maybe it doesn't. And maybe we need to make some adjustments. That's the same for a church. Come on. We have to look at that. We can say our core values are this, but if we're spending our money over here, it doesn't line up. It doesn't line up. We all have core values, whether we write them down or not. All right, I'm going to leave you alone. That's all I'm going to talk about. Your personal, this is not about as much you as the house and what our core, core values here are at New Life are And they're up on the screen. Worship, word, walk, and witness. Let's say those together. Worship, word, walk, and witness. Father God, in Jesus' name, we have felt your presence here today. We're so thankful for your presence. God, I pray right now that you would make your uh, word become alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. Let it pierce deep today. Let it become prophetic and powerful in our life and life-changing Get me out of the way. Say what you want to say in Jesus' name. Amen. Before I became your pastor, years before I became your pastor, the Lord began dealing with me about ministry core values and what that would look like. And hopefully they would eventually come into play and, 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 and help lead and guide uh, and be a part of the shaping of the church that I would one day have, be fortunate enough and privileged enough to shepherd and to pastor These core values have been defined by almost 40 years of walking with the Lord. That's hard to believe. My personal journey, my personal upbringing with my parents, my actual hands-on experience in the trenches, 24 years, there was never a break, 24 years of ministry, full-time. And then, of course, the Word of God. (laughs) If the Word of God doesn't uphold and, and support these things, we're in trouble, the word of God trumps all that. Now, I like simple. Any simple people just like you want it straightforward, simple, come on, raise your hand, don't be, that's not a trick question. I, I, I did a little trolling with some other churches just kind of looking to check out, hey, what's your core values? What's their vision statement? And one of the things that I found were some churches had like 20 core values. I mean, it's like love, joy, peace. They, they just put Galatians, they just put Galatians as their core values, the fruit of the spirit. And, and that, that's fine, except there's a lot. And I think core values should be simple and memorable, that you can internalize them and then be able to communicate back. I want you guys, if somebody stops you in the street, that's probably not going to happen. Somebody stops you you, you, somebody, your neighbor, somebody that you know, and they're like, hey, do you go to church? Yes. What church do you go to? New Life Church. And then they say, what is that church all about? I don't want you to be like, well, we sing songs. Pastors not terrible. They got a youth program. I, I want you to be able to say, let me tell you exactly what this church is all about. And be able to, 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 to say the vision, connecting people to your the God-given purpose. Uh, and here's our core values. I want you to be able to remember that. And so here at New Life, we only have four. And they all start with the letter W. And I promise you, I'm not that smart. I don't have time to go into that story of how that all came to pass. But it was the Lord. Because I'm not that smart. If you call New Life Home, I want you to be able to communicate these. So we're going to take the next three weeks to go over these four core values. If you're a guest here today, you came on the perfect day. I mean, what better day to come in and hear all about what we're about? I mean, for the next three weeks, Pastor Cody, yeah, Pastor Cody... And Tyler talked about, you know, it takes three times, three times. We say it every week, three times, three times. Well, hey, for the next three weeks, come and check us out. You're going to hear all about what is important to us as a church. So uh, I'm going to talk about the, our first core value today. And I'm a little bit biased, I have to admit, because it's worship. It's worship. And if you don't know, if you are a guest, you need to understand that I spent the first 20 years of ministry in full time worship ministry. I was a worship pastor. I've done that more than anything else. I've been a youth pastor as well in the middle of some of those uh, assignments. But I've done worship for a very long time. And even before I was full time, I started leading worship when I was 13. It's a part of me, it's who I am. I, I will always be a worship leader. So yeah, you, you guys can probably tell that I like to do that because I always try to do it, fit it in on Sunday morning somewhere. I love to sing. I love to lead worship. So th- I'm a little bit biased with this one. It's so important. But I think we know that worship is more than a song on Sunday morning. Paul says in Romans 12, he says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, what's he talking about? He's talking about the cross. In view of the cross of Calvary, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. And this is your true and proper worship. And never a song was sung in that, but he's talking about worship. We also, Cody was talking about uh, giving. Giving is a part of our worship. Generosity and tithing and offering and giving of our talents and time and our resources. It's all a part of worship. And I've preached all of that and all that is absolutely true. But today I felt impressed to talk about our corporate worship. What's happening here today. What is that supposed to look like? What does authentic worship in a corporate setting, what does that look like? What are the characteristics that make up a corporate worship setting that we should have? And I have to admit to you, that this has been on my mind and heart a lot in the last few weeks because if you're a guest, we're going through a worship pastor transition. Kaylin is doing a phenomenal job as our interim, she's doing a great job. But we are praying about and we are looking at candidates and, and long hours of, of interviews and, and, and conversations. And I'm taking this very, very seriously because I'm telling you, there's a shift coming, there's a pivot coming. I don't want us to just sound good. I don't want us to just be able to imitate the megachurch down the street. I don't, I'm not worried. I'm not concerned about it just sound. It needs to sound good because if it doesn't, it's distracting. So that's important. And that we need to have excellence and do everything unto the Lord with, with, with excellence. That's, in, that's scriptural. But we need to have the Spirit of God visit us, inhabit the praise. We need to have people that are coming in who are struggling with drugs and alcohol and be gloriously changed and and transformed. We need to have people who are away from God to be able to sense the presence of God and be changed forevermore during our worship. Because the presence of God is here. We need somebody who can flow. And so this is, this is really on my heart. And as I'm talking about this, I want to let you know, next Sunday, as our, we're having our first candidates. It's a husband and wife team. If They'll put that, oh, parents of Q2G7. Let's put the next slide up, please, of, of our <laughs> worship candidates. Boy, I hit that up time, Lee, didn't I? Um, this is Josh and Courtney Ward. They're coming from West Texas, and um, they are our West Texas. Yeah, woo. <laughs> Uh, they're spirit-filled couple. They're actually completely a team. He, he runs the band. He's a producer, musician, and then she leads worship, and they are a fantastic couple. So be here next Sunday. They're going to be leading worship. And then here's a weird one. we got another candidate coming in, but he's coming in the next Wednesday night, okay? Put up Elisha. There's Elisha James. <laughs> 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 that was weird. Okay. <laughs> Not sure what to... Anyway... Elisha James is coming in. He's a, he's a worship artist right now. He's in between churches, but he's doing weekends. So he's booked up on Sundays for, it'd be too long. We can't wait for him, you know, for like till March or April or whatever to have him in. So he's going to come in. We're going to invade the youth department on that Wednesday night. And you are invited. So if you want to hear and experience his uh, leadership, you need to come on Wednesday. Get this down. Wednesday the 13th. Wednesday, February 13th at 7 o'clock. My discipleship group, we're going to invade. We're going to go in there and we're going to do worship and then go back and finish the lesson uh, as always, okay? Because I kind of need to hear him too. That's important. So uh, we don't know. We don't know if it's, if it's either one of these candidates. We're going to let God. Y'all pray. Please help me. Please help me that God would speak clearly. Amen? Amen? But this is happening in the next couple of weeks. Now, let's get to our text. We've got to move on. Um, I'm going to be in John 4 today. And if you know the New Testament, if you're familiar, you'll know this story. This is the story about the woman at the well. Now, the payoff scripture at the end of the story is the one that you know. It's where Jesus said that God is looking, for, the Father is looking for those who will worship him in spirit and in truth. God is looking for those So that's the the verse that we know that we're familiar. But do you know that I started studying the whole story? And even though worship isn't necessarily the verbiage that is used, the whole conversation is headed towards this moment. It's all headed towards worship. It's amazing as I went back and studied this. So we're going to go through the whole story and grab nuggets about worship as we go. It's very, very powerful. So John 4, beginning with verse 1. Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John. Though Jesus himself didn't baptize them, his disciples did. I love that. That's not about the sermon today, but I highlighted it anyway because Jesus wasn't doing the work. He was having his disciples learn all hands on. Um, So he left Judea and returned to Galilee. Okay, everybody look up here just a second. The reason he left is because it wasn't time for him to confront the Pharisees yet. It wasn't time for controversy. It wasn't time to die. That'll preach right there. Timing is everything. Sometimes you need to confront, and sometimes you need to walk away. And you need to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit about which is which. And what timing is everything. Again, that's not a side note right there. Not part of the sermon, but... It is part of the sermon because it's a part of life. So he said he he left because it wasn't time yet to confront them. He had to go through Samaria on the way. Now, you need to know a little history about Samaria. The Samaritans hated the Jews and the Jews hated the Samaritans. The Samaritans were kind of a half-breed of Jews and Gentiles that had intermarried. That's a big no-no in Jewish law. And so the pure Jews hated them and they, they just hated each other. And so the Jews would like travel around, do everything they could to avoid Samaria. They would go days out of the way. They would risk their lives. Because it wasn't safe to travel. They would, they would risk going around either way they were going to avoid Samaria. It's kind of like my dad when he would avoid New Jersey. I'm not sure what, if that has anything, I'm sorry. I have no idea why. I just I just remember that. But. <laughs> But listen to me. Jesus didn't avoid the mess. Jesus didn't avoid the the problem. Jesus ran straight into the middle of it. And aren't you glad we serve a king who will not avoid our mess? He'll go right up into the middle of it and have a conversation about it. Hallelujah. Look at the screen. True worship unites, never divides. True worship unites, never divides. True worship rises above tradition. True worship rises above music style. True worship rises above prejudice. Verse 5. Eventually he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. If those of you who went with me to Israel last year, we got to go to Jacob's well. What a phenomenal experience that was. Jacob's well was there and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. I love this. Why would I be happy about Jesus being tired? Because if the Son of God got tired, that means it's okay for me to get tired. If He had to rest, then it's okay for me to rest for a minute. And look, here's the the deal. Look at the screen. Worship can be a beautiful time of rest in the presence of the Lord. Come on, when you come in here on Sunday morning, don't let it just slip by. Don't let the opportunity roll by. Get into His presence. Lift your hands and go... Thank you, Jesus. I rest in your presence, Lord. Do a supernatural work of rest in me. Verse seven. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water. All right, time out. Samaritan woman, Samaritan strike one. Woman, strike two. I'm sorry to say it. Women were at the bottom of the totem pole of that culture. Samaritans were hated. She had two strikes against her before she ever even opened her mouth. How many have ever felt that way? You go in life and it's like, I had two strikes before I ever even started this thing. My Lord. And Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. Verse 9 The woman was surprised. Probably one of the biggest understatements in scripture. She was blown away that this Jewish man, she knew he wasn't from there. She knew that this was a Jewish man and she was a Samaritan woman. She never even dreamed that he would say anything to her. As a matter of fact, he was breaking all kinds of rules. Jewish rules. Jewish rules to to even talk to her. And yet... He did the woman was surprised for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans she said to Jesus you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman why are you asking me for a drink can I just be real y'all know I'm going to be anyway so with your permission or not I feel like her sometimes in worship you're asking me for a drink what can I possibly bring, Lord Jesus, that you would want? What can I possibly bring of value to the feet of Jesus? Who I feel that. This may be the biggest point of the day. Look at the screen. Worship is not about how worthy we are, but how gracious he is. Well, somebody praise him for that yeah. worship is not about us being worthy of anything but the fact that he is gracious any time of the day day or night I don't care what you have been through what you're in the middle of what you're going through what you just did what sin you just committed he is, he, he is ready his arms are open wide come home sinner come home and worship at his feet it doesn't matter he is gracious he is gracious and he wants us to fall before him and lean on his grace hallelujah hallelujah and worship can be that vehicle of grace verse 10 jesus replied if you only knew the gift everybody say gift if you only knew the gift the gift of god for you and who you are speaking to you would ask me and i would give you living water this is the beautiful exchange that is available in worship that we pass up most of the time. When we finally recognize And allow that revelation to go deep within us of who Jesus really is and what He means to our life. Come on, and we begin to ask Him to move in our life. And then we can begin receiving the living water through the power of the Holy Spirit. We let that go by almost every single time. But the beautiful exchange is available. And it's available to everyone. It's the base of worship. It's the basics even if you're here and you've not bought into the Word of God and you're not sure about Jesus, just give it a shot. Have a conversation with the Lord in your worship and see if your life won't ever be the same again. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Are you satisfied with your worship? Are you satisfied with your experience in worship? I'm not. I think as soon as we get satisfied with coming in here in corporate worship and going through the motions. As soon as I get satisfied as a pastor with that and just, hey, we've got a growing church. That's fine. Let's work on that. Let's do whatever it takes to just be attractive and get people in the door. As soon as we make those compromises, holy God, we're in trouble. This is available in worship. And we're we're not taking advantage of what the gift is in Jesus. Are you satisfied? Verse 11. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket. She said, the well is deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater Then our ancestor Jacob, now Jacob was, was, was one of the patriarchs. It was Abraham, Isaac, and yeah, it, was, it didn't get a whole lot bigger than that. But Jesus is like, well, <laughs> yeah, I think so. How can you offer better water than he and his sons and animals enjoyed? Verse 13, Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. Say give. 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 That was good. But then things shift and pivot. Then I'll never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here to get water again. She did what we often do in worship, making it all about us. As soon as she saw the benefit, as soon as she got a hold of the gift and saw the potential for the gift that would help her to not have to put any more effort in this area, she started focusing on the gift and not on Jesus. And that's what we do in worship. We make it all about us. If it's not my song, my favorite song, forget it. If it's not my favorite musical style, forget it. If I'm not in the mood, I've had a bad day, forget it. If it's not just perfect, if it's, if it's too loud, forget it. If it's the wrong style, forget it. If it's, if it's too soft, forget it. If it's rock and roll and they've got guitars, forget it. If it's not just piano and organ, forget it. Come on, it's not about any of that. It's about Jesus Christ. Yeah. Worship is about Jesus Not us. The center has to be on him. The center has to be on him, not his benefits. And the beautiful thing, though, is if we make him the center of our worship, we're going to receive those benefits and those gifts. The meaning of the word worship is to ascribe worth. Everybody say worth to ascribe worth to something or someone. So we need to ask ourselves very honestly the question every time we come in here, every time we stand for worship, what are we ascribing worth to? Is it to the experience? Is it to the band or the praise team? Is it to the lighting? Is it to the sound? What is it? What are we ascribing worth to? There is only one who is worthy of worship and his name is Jesus Christ. Come on, come on. Verse 16, go and get your husband. This is an interesting exchange right here. Go and get your husband, Jesus said. I don't have a husband. You have said right. You've had five. And the guy you are shacked, this is my version, the guy you are shacked up with right now, you're not married to. Jesus dropped the mic. Strike three, lady. Strike three. Strike three. How many of you played baseball? Raise your hand. Softball. All right, sorry. Boys, were the funnest, most memorable games, the games that you struck out every time you were up? Not fun, is it? Never fun to strike out, but every single one of us do. We all strike out in life. This woman knew she had struck out. She didn't need Jesus to tell her and remind her of that, but he wasn't doing it. Listen, he wasn't doing it in order to embarrass her. But when you have an encounter with the son of the living God, his light is going to shine into your darkness and expose some uncomfortable things that need to change. But the wonderful grace of God is he is able and willing to change those things if we'll let him. And sometimes worship is that vehicle. He didn't embarrass her. He wasn't trying to embarrass her. You cannot... Listen to this. Look at the screen. True worship is a life-changing encounter with Jesus Christ. You can't have a personal meeting with Jesus and stay the same. Let me back up. But how many of you come in to a worship service and leave exactly the same? If you leave exactly the same as you came it means you haven't personally encountered Jesus my god oh, forgive us lord forgive me for standing over there and thinking about the sermon and not him standing over there and thinking about well somebody did this on the stage that i didn't really care for too much or this come on i'm a boss that's i have, have how many bosses in the house? You, you're thinking of all this stuff, but I'm, I'm distracted. It doesn't matter if everything falls in on the stage. If we're lifting up Jesus, I need to be focused on Him, and so do you. It's a life-changing encounter if we will let Him speak to us, if we will get our eyes focused just on Him and not on the stuff. We'll leave different. We'll leave changed. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Forgive us, Lord. Verse 19. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> Just read her mail. So tell me, she, she, she says, so tell me why you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the. <clears throat> Did you feel that? She shifted completely away from herself. She's like, you must be a prophet. So um, let's talk about something else. I don't like talking about these problems and these issues. So Jesus went with her. She said, tell me, you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship. First time worship is mentioned. While we Samaritans claim it is here on Mount Gerizim where our ancestors worship. She's talking about worship wars. She's talking about the battle of worship. Which, by the way, has been splitting churches for over 2,000 years. It's not new. The Jews were saying, no, you got to do it this way, and you got to do it in Jerusalem. The Samaritans were saying, no, 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 you've got to do it this way, and it's got to be on this mountain. Some of you new believers who have not been in church long, you've been, thank God, you not had to go through worship wars. I'm a worship pastor. I'm a veteran. I'm a warrior. <laughs> Come on. You, not all of you are brand new Christians. You've been in the middle of, some of you have been in the middle of the worship wars. I'll just move on. I'm (laughs) meddling now. But let me just say this. Look at the screen. True worship is too big to fit in any tradition or box. True worship is too big to put a label on it. True worship is too big to, it has to be southern gospel. It has to be urban gospel. It has to be modern worship. It has to be hymns. It has to be the, 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 the. No, it doesn't. It just has to be Jesus. Jesus replied, verse 21, Believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. He's like, actually, you're both wrong. You're both wrong. Look at the screen. True worship is not about where, but who. Not about where, but who. Listen, do you know one of the most powerful worship services I was ever in? I was playing an acoustic guitar standing next to the Amazon River under a tree. There were chickens running between my feet. There was no band. There was no praise team. There was no lighting. But the power of God fell in that place and people were healed and set free. There were distractions everywhere. How many of you ever tried to lead worship with a chicken? And people are falling out of the spirit. <laughs> people are getting healed. Because it wasn't about the where, it was about the who. And if we can get our focus on the who, it doesn't matter. Jesus will come and move in power and might. And I don't know about you, that's what I want. That's what I want. That's what we've got to have. That's what we've got to have. Now don't take me wrong, I'm not bringing in chickens. You can't re... Sometimes we make the mistake, pastors especially... God moves in a certain way that's like crazy, crazy powerful. And then we we try to recreate that. Mm -hmm. Terrible mistake. Terrible mistake. (laughs) Terrible mistake. When we get the who part right, when our focus is on Jesus, he will show up. All right, we're going to skip to verse 23 for time. Here's the payoff. Here's the payoff verse that we all know. Jesus says, but the time is coming. Indeed, it's here now. Everybody say now. He's talking about himself. The kingdom of God is in your midst. I'm here. When true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, the Father is looking. The Father is searching for those who will worship him that way. I would say the Father is looking for churches in North America who will put all of this Stuff aside, these distractions aside, this nonsense aside, and focus, who will focus on him and worship him in spirit and in truth. So as we close, I want to look just briefly about in spirit and in truth and what that might mean. This is not an exhaustive teaching. Just a couple of things from my experience. Scholars have debated whether or not that S is supposed to be capitalized. In spirit or in spirit. I tend to lean because of the Greek that I'm not going to get into. That it's not a capital S. It's a lowercase. In spirit, spirited, in passion. So I think that means, number one, worship without any pretense. Worship without any pretense. Why in the world? Y'all focus on me. I know the band's getting ready. Y'all focus on me. Why in the world would we come in here with the God of the universe who knows every single thing about us and be fake? Why would we put up walls with him? I understand how you do it out there. That's a different sermon. Why would you come in here and put up walls and be fake with the Lord? You know, that's why David was called a man after God's own heart. Because even though he got messed up royally in so many different ways, he was always honest before the Lord. And he knew how to worship. He was a man of worship. So worship without any pretense. Be real. Be authentic. Be honest. Number two, worship with your whole heart and with full participation. Worship with your whole heart and full. In other words, let your body know what your heart is feeling. Let your body know what your heart is feeling. Pastor, I'm a quiet person. I'm an introvert. Me too. But I want to know how introverted you are when it's your team in the big game. And you're on your, you know, the, and, the, and the game is on the line. Or when your kid is up to bat and the game is on the line. If you can sit there with your hands in your pockets, with no emotion whatsoever, with your mouth closed and no emotion on your face, and, and you, then you get a pass on Sunday morning. But otherwise, don't tell me that. Don't tell me that. Come on. It's not going to look the same as your neighbor. That's fine. But we should worship him with everything. Psalm 103 says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Body, soul, and spirit. Body, soul, and spirit. Is God not worthy of our full participation in worship? We need to worship him in spirit and then in truth. Number one singing songs that are scripturally accurate, theologically accurate, not just love songs that we could hear on any radio station and not even ever hear Jesus in them. Now I know, I know, I know some of these are the most popular songs that are out there in all the churches and sometimes they kind of slip in here sometimes. I get it, but we got to be careful about each song that is theologically correct, scripturally accurate, not just because the biggest church is doing it. Let me say this about that. The more we know about God through his word, the better we can actually worship him. The more accurately we can worship him. And number two, singing songs that glorify God and not just tickle our ears. Now, we're not talking about 50% spirit and 50% truth. We're talking about 100% in spirit and 100% in truth. These complement each other. Worship in truth is deficient without spirit. Worship that is just in truth becomes dry and religious. And it lacks the life-giving power that we need. And we've all sat through those type of services. Can I get an amen? amen. Woo! There's a rough. But worship, listen now, listen. Worship that is just in spirit can veer off into weirdo land really, really, really fast and even into doctrinal error, which leads to idolatry. We start focusing on a person. We start focusing on a style. We start focusing on a performance. And then we get into idolatry. So it's worship him in spirit, everything within us, full participation, with passion, but then we worship him in truth, in in the truth of the word of God. Accurate. God is looking, God is searching for people who will worship him this way. Folks, worship is our foundation at New Life Church. It's a privilege, it's an honor. Let's give him everything when we come in here. Everything. It's ground level. So I'm going to ask you one more time. We're we're closing. Are you satisfied? Are you satisfied with your worship? I'm not, and I'm not satisfied with where we are. That's why I'm so excited about where we're going and what God is doing in our midst and why I'm spending so much time in prayer and fasting over the person that God has chosen to be our next worship pastor and not just the person that I choose or the person that may look like the right person. God already knows. we just got to get in his presence and let that be confirmed in our spirit. Would you stand with me, please? Bow your heads.